1986, in the wake of Crisis on Infinite Earths, DC brought in John Byrne to revamp the character of Superman. He began by retelling Superman's origin in the six-issue miniseries, The Man of Steel. What follows is the third part in a multi-part series of episodes where I look at the John Byrne era of Superman, one issue at a time. There will be spoilers. I apologize for that, but I think you'll find this a bit more interesting. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that wears its underwear outside of its pants. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and today we continue our trek into the world that is the John Byrne era of Superman. In today's episode, I want to talk about Man of Steel issue number three, and that's only because I've already talked about issues one and two, and it would be pretty stupid to just jump over three and start talking about issue number four. This has a cover date of November of 1986, and it was written by John Byrne with pencils by John Byrne, inks by Dick Giordano, colors by Tom Zioko, and letters by John Costanza. And hey, before we get into the issue, I thought it might be fun to read the solicitation from DC. Superman heads to Gotham City and finds himself at odds with the brutal and oftentimes unlawful methods Batman uses to fight crime when the Dark Knight tricks Superman into helping him by putting an innocent life on the line. So, <laughs> so yeah, you need to remember here that this miniseries was, in essence, rebooting Superman. They were starting over. So the world's finest, Superman and Batman, they weren't like the close-knit chums they were before the crisis, or they are pretty much now. Uh, so let's just get into the, the issue. So we open in Gotham City, and the Dark Knight is on the hunt. There's some dude running through the alleys, and Batman jumps on his back. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It's a view from the top down, and Batman is just landing on this guy's back with both of his feet, and he socks the dude in the jaw and then kicks him in the jaw. And the guy is, he falls back into a bunch of garbage. And Batman just is basically telling him, you know, you're wasting my time by running. I hate to have my time wasted. And he wants to know about uh, somebody. Somebody's going to strike tonight. It's a, it's a woman. Batman says she's going to strike again tonight. Uh, actually, let me do my Batman voice. <clears throat> she's going to strike again tonight, bull. I know she is. That that hurts my throat. I'm not going to do any more of that. So Bull, instead of telling Batman what he wants to know, he reaches back into the garbage that he's lying on and he throws it into Batman's face. And whoever Batman is looking for, whoever this is, this this woman, eight people have died already. And Batman, he he does he won't stand for that. He wants to find this lady. And that's when he gets the garbage thrown into his face and Bull just goes running. And Batman handles it very well. He just says, as he's wiping the garbage off of his face, he says to himself out loud, remarkable. He's actually more afraid of her than he is of me. Time he was taught the error of his ways. The only way one man can clean up this town is if all the lowlife stay good and scared. And that means dishing out a few object lessons once in a while. As he's saying all this, he throws a bat line around this freaking 
eagle gargoyle stone brass. I don't know what it's made of. It's hanging off the side of a building. And he goes to pull himself up when suddenly he himself is pulled into the air. And as this is happening, it's, it's you know, this is, again, this is the era where everybody talks a lot. They're, they're doing stuff and they're just constantly talking because they don't trust you, the reader, or me, the reader, or anybody who is the reader, to quite understand what's going on in the story just by looking at the pictures. And so they have to tell you what's going on at the same time. And so what Batman is saying as he's trying to pull himself up on this line, he goes, too bad for Bull. He's quite athletic in his own way. He's not going to like having to get around on crutches. What? Batman's going to go break this guy's legs. That's that's what you get for throwing garbage in Batman's face. But before he can fully clarify what he means about Bull having to go around on crutches, like I said, he he's, he's hanging from his line and suddenly somebody, or as he puts it, something has a hold of his line on the other end and it's pulling him into the air. But it's not something, it's someone, it's Superman. So Superman has come to Gotham because he have, he's, <laughs> he's heard about Batman and he refers to him as an outlaw. So when Batman sees him up there and he, he yells out Superman, Superman says, always flattered to be recognized, outlaw. Now you just hold on tight to that rope. I wouldn't want you to fall before we get you to police headquarters. And Batman's like, nah, that's not going to happen. And he just lets go of the rope. He just, he just lets go. And, and Superman assumes that he is plunging to his death. And so Superman hovers there in midair between the buildings and he's looking around and he can't find Batman. And again, he's talking out loud. He's telling you, uh, why, you know, what's going on in his head in case anybody's just outside watching. And so he says, gone. There's not a sign of him. How can that be? In the reports of his activities, I saw no indication of superpowers. He's a superb athlete and an intuitive genius by all accounts, but I read nothing to suggest he could fly or move at super speed or turn invisible. And then we see that Batman is standing on a rooftop just over Superman's left shoulder, and he's like, invisibility is a relative thing, Superman. Sometimes all it requires is wits and a matchless knowledge of the city. To which, of course, Superman responds with, Batman! So Superman immediately flies toward Batman to take him out. But Batman has a plan. And he he holds his hand out like, you know, like, stop. And he's telling him, you know, don't, you know, don't touch me. Use your x-ray vision or your vision powers is what he calls them. Uh, specifically, his infrared vision to look at Batman. And so when Superman stops and he looks at Batman using his infrared vision and he can see that Batman has some kind of force field around him. And Batman explains to him that it's a simple force field. It's invisible. It's intangible, just like the force fields used in airport metal detectors. However, this field is not set to detect metal. It's set to detect super dense biological material. Or in other words, as Batman puts it, you, Superman. So he explains to him that if Superman lays a finger on him, if he, if he, you know, interacts with this force field in any way, there has been a bomb planted somewhere in the city, planted on another person, an innocent person. And if Superman crosses the force field, that will trigger the bomb and an innocent person will die. And Superman, of course, is 
Well, the only word I could use is flabbergasted. What? You'd, you'd really do that? And you'd place an innocent life in jeopardy just to stop me? What kind of inhuman monster are you? To which Batman responds, It's a touch Machiavellian, I admit, but my ends justify my means. Now hear me out. So he explains to uh, Superman that there is a thief that's been pulling off heists in Gotham, but the heists end in death. So the first example he gives is a a jewelry store owner who comes into his store one morning and notices that all the jewelry is gone, but that it's all been replaced with like little metal trinkets. And so he opens up one of the cases so that he can can reach in and take a hold of one of these metal trinkets and it explodes and kills him. And Batman says it took the coroner's men two days to find all the pieces of Henry Gerald, the the guy, the the jeweler that died. Another example he uses is is at the diamond exchange. Uh, The uh, diamond, a big diamond was stolen. The Regency Emerald, uh, which I guess is not a diamond. It's it's, it's an emerald. But uh, it was replaced with uh, something that emitted poison gas, which killed three people. There was another uh, heist in which a gadget was left that squirted acid that killed two other people and horribly disfigured one. And then there was another place, an antique store, an antique and collectible store that had a platinum chess set, a priceless platinum chess set. And it was stolen. And what was left was a little steel rook that fired razor edged blades. And that killed three people with two that were hospitalized. And he was going after Batman was going after this guy, bull, to find out uh, where they could they could find who this this lady is 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 he he refers to her and then he he says her name is Magpie and then we meet Magpie who has crazy hair she's got like a freaking mohawk on top and then wings coming out of the sides of her head their their hair is styled into just this weird looking I mean she could hang out with a flock of seagulls any day of the week. But her name's Magpie, and she is yelling at Bull, who has arrived at her hideout, and he's got garbage stains on him. And she was hoping that Bull would have given Batman, you know, the runaround to send him in in a different direction, which, of course, he didn't do. And so she decides she's got to punish him because they need to she she wants to steal these uh, Fabergé eggs, uh, uh, McDowell Bryan's collection of Fabergé eggs. They're only going to be in Gotham for another 12 hours. So they have to get out there and do it. And she, you, you learn here that she you know, she, she didn't have all of her bats in her belfry or however you want to say it, because she starts holding her head in her hand. And she's like, there's such pretty things, such pretty sparkling things. I must have them. I must have all the pretty shiny things must have and then she realizes what she's doing and she's like, um, <clears throat> yeah, well, enough of that. And she has a little needle come out of uh, one of the fingers of her glove, which she scrapes along Bull's face. And it's an it's an fast acting paralysis venom. She's going to punish him. And she does it by sticking what looks like a stick of dynamite in his mouth. And she starts to light it. And one of her thugs goes, oh, no, boss, not happy birthday, not happy birthday. And of course, the dynamite explodes. We don't see the dynamite explode. We go back to Batman and Superman. And Batman is, you know, still, he's still explaining to Superman that 
He was hoping to get information from Bull, but now he's got to go back to square one. Superman looks away and Batman says, am I boring you? And Superman's like, nah, I just heard an explosion. And now what sounds like a woman who's laughing and Batman immediately realizes that that is magpie. And so they follow the sound of her, her laughter and they find her at a, the, the old museum of antiquities. And she's still, she's still just in there laughing. She is just cackling away bull. You see the bottom half of bull laying on the floor and there's blood on his pants. And, uh, one of her other thugs runs in and he's like, boss, I just checked the rooftop scanning cameras. The Batman's here and some flying guy with a big S on his chest. And she, she goes, S, S, the letter S as in Seymour. And Superman just comes plowing in through the freaking wall. And he says, as in Superman, bird girl. And you've just added the last statistic to your body count. Well, of course, she orders one of her thugs to shoot Superman down and he does. And of course, the bullets bounce off of Superman's chest. He grabs the gun out of the guy's hand and crushes it. And one of the other thugs was trying to sneak out. But of course, Batman got him. And then Magpie pulls something out of her little satchel, throws it on the ground. And it's a it's a it's a gas, an acid gas. It's like acid is what Batman says. And it eats everything it touches. So Superman being Superman, he knows that he's got to save everybody. He's, he's got to let Magpie get away. And the way he does it is he inhales all of this gas and he flies out into space and then he blows the gas out into space. And this is this what happens next as he's blowing the gas into space. This is one of the reasons I, I, I like Superman from this era, because he's blowing it out into space. And then in his in his mind, he's thinking to himself there in the frigid vacuum of space. The gas was instantly frozen into crystals of ice, and my microscopic vision shows that the freezing process has caused a chemical change. The stuff is no longer dangerous. So, <laughs> I just love it. He not only sucks up all this poison gas, flies it into space, shoots it out into space, and at the same time, looks, you know, checks it out with his microscopic vision to ensure that if anybody out in space runs into it, it's going to be okay. And so he flies back down to uh, Gotham really quick, finds Batman using his telescopic vision. Batman looks to be getting into his car, which at the time, because I, I also remember there was an issue of Batman from around this time when they introduced Jason Todd, because they introduced him. He was stealing the tires off of the Batmobile, but the Batmobile wasn't anything like it is now or like it was, you know, way back in the, you know, like in the old sixties TV show, it's just a regular black car. There's nothing fancy about it at all, except for the fact that he opens up the trunk to reveal that he has a portable crime lab in the trunk. Now he had taken one of the glass fragments from the vial that had held the, the acid gas that magpie had thrown down onto the ground. And he, he puts it into his lab equipment and he's looking at it through his spectrometer. And again, he's explaining, at least this time, he's explaining to Superman what's going on. So he says, now let's see what we've got here, shall we? Since the vial was inside Magpie's bag of tricks, I think we're safe in assuming it's been going wherever she's gone. It could have picked up almost anything. Aha, very good. A tiny piece of thread, just the barest strand, not more than a sixteenth of an inch, but enough for analysis. Hmm... Now, isn't that interesting? 
Unless the spectrometer is completely off, and it isn't, this little length of fiber is at least 5,000 years old. And so he takes that information and it leads them to uh, a museum, another museum in Gotham. And you can we, we go to the museum and we see Magpie and she's throwing a tantrum and she's saying, blast them, blast them, blast them, blast them, which must mean dang them in some sort of fashion because there's absolutely nobody around to blast. But she's standing among like uh, sarcophagi. Is that the, is that the plural of, of, of sarcophagus? Uh, that they, they have mummies in them and that must be where that fiber got into her bag, even though they're all under glass. So she must have, uh, she must be cozying up to some of these mummies for, uh, uh, a thread to fall into her bag. But as she is, is, uh, you know, ranting and raving and being very upset over the fact that she's, she's not going to get those Fabergé eggs, Batman and Superman show up. Superman rips the wig off of her head and which must also come with a bald cap because she's got a full head of hair under what is, like I said, a mohawk with wings coming out of the side. And we find out that her name is Margaret Pye and she works at the museum that she's hiding out in. And she just, once the wig is off of her, she starts freaking out. Give it to me. Give it to me. It's not yours. It's mine. And then she just collapses onto the ground. It's mine. It's mine. You can't have, can't have the pretty things. Can't have the pretty, pretty, pretty. And then she just falls to the floor weeping. And Superman, of course, feels sorry for her because he's Superman. And Batman then explains to Superman, or in other words, us, the reader, that Margaret Pye is, she's not like some of his other villains that he goes up against in Gotham. She's just a frail human psyche, an unbalanced id that got pushed too far, a little girl who loved pretty things, a trifle too much perhaps, who was taunted and called magpie because of it, who educated herself, became curator of one of the nation's leading museums, and found herself having to watch over pretty things she could never possess. Yes, I feel sorry for her, Superman, but I feel more sorry for her victims because yeah, she's killed a number of people. And so the police show up and they take her into custody and Superman and Batman are standing on top of a roof, you know, a building rooftop as they do because they're superheroes and that's where they hang and they're watching her being put into a police vehicle and, and taken away. And they're kind of wrapping up everything. And, and Batman at one point is just like, now if you'll excuse me, I haven't slept in four days if I'm going to be in any kind of shape to continue my private war, because Superman at this point, he he has now seen what Gotham City is truly like and just this one little adventure. And he tells Batman, your Gotham is different than my town. And that's why you have to act outside the law. I don't like vigilantes, Batman, even though I've been called one myself, which I think is, is just... It's one of the things that they've done with Superman a number of times. They even did it in the uh, Batman versus Superman movie. Superman is a, is a freaking vigilante, regardless of the good intent in his heart. And yet he looks at Batman and he's like, oh, no, I can't have a vigilante like that running around out there. I've got to put a stop to them. And it's like, hello, pot. This is the kettle. You're black. You know, you're vigilante, Superman. It doesn't matter if you're super powered. doesn't matter that you feel like your morals 
are on a higher perch than Batman. Really, the only thing that separates the two of you is that your city is not as dark as his and you have superpowers. Well, as uh, Batman goes to leave, of, of course, that's when Superman reminds him of the innocent life that Batman has placed in jeopardy, which if you remember from the beginning of the issue, Batman told him that he had this force field around him. And if Superman tried to penetrate the force field, that it would trigger an explosive and kill an innocent person somewhere in Gotham. And it's here that we learn that the bomb was in Batman's belt the entire time. Yes, Batman was the innocent life that he was putting at risk. He, he, He had to use himself because A, he would never truly plant a bomb on just some innocent person. And second, he had to be able to tell Superman that there was a bomb planted on somebody that would die and be able to say it honestly, because he he knows that with Superman's powers, he would be able to tell if he was lying. And Superman goes to fly away and he's like, well, I still won't say I fully approve of your methods, Batman. And I'm going to be keeping an eye on you to make certain you don't blow it for the rest of us. But good luck. I mean, what an ass, <laughs> you know, what an ass. He's just all, you, uh, uh, you're a vigilante and I don't like vigilantes, even though I'm a vigilante too. I mean, some people have called me a vigilante and, and you know what? You did good this time and we're both still new superheroes. I mean, I think you've been doing it a little bit longer than me. I'm still pretty fairly new, but you know what? I I, I don't really approve of the way you do stuff. Uh, I mean, I do kind of, but I kind of don't. So, uh, I'm just going to keep my eye on you and make sure that you don't put a toe out of line because I'll have to put a stop to it. And it's like, wow, what a jerk. (laughs) But as Superman's flying away, Batman's looking up at him and he's thinking to himself, a remarkable man, a remarkable man, all things considered. Who knows? In a different reality, I might've called him friend. Wink, wink is what they're doing there. Big wink. Because of course, before the crisis, they were friends. And that that's that's how the issue ends. Um, I rather enjoyed it. Uh, this is still in the era where Batman's costume is gray and blue. You know, his his cape and cowl is blue. He wears his under he wears his underpants outside of his pants as well. And his underpants are blue. And I just I don't know. I really I because I grew up reading these books. There's a. a you know, a big nostalgia thing for me, just reading them. It makes me, makes me feel young again, I guess you could say. But I just, I've, I've, I've always uh, really enjoyed this era. This is the, the, really with the Man of Steel, this six issue series, this is the first time I really started reading DC Comics. In 86, I would have been about 14 years old. Um, I don't think I was buying my own comics at this point. My older brother was, he was buying his own comics. He may have even been working at a comic book store at the time. And so I pretty much just read his, he would buy his books new. I mean, I was getting a, uh, subscription of Captain America and GI Joe from Marvel. And then, uh, David, my brother, he'd go in and he'd get his comics from the comic book store. And then he'd let me read them. And, uh, Yeah, Man of Steel, I'm fairly certain, was the first, my first real dip into DC Comics. Now, of course, I grew up with the Super Friends. That was like, you know, one of my favorite cartoons as a kid. Superman's always been my number one top favorite superhero. But for me, because this was my first real foray into DC Comics, John Byrne's Superman is my Superman. I'm sure I've said it in the previous two episodes, the previous two installments when I talked about issue one and issue two, but 
you know, it makes sense that three issues in, we are now introducing Batman into the fold. He, he, you know, he still has his issues. And by issues, I mean his comic book issues that were being published at the time. But this is the official post-crisis first meeting between Superman and Batman. And they go up. It's really kind of a kind of a weird villain for Superman to go up against because she doesn't have any superpowers at all. She's just a little bent, you know, in the head. But I guess I guess that's kind of the point is that Superman has come to Gotham to put a stop to Batman because Batman is not of high moral fiber like Superman is, I guess. Again, what an ass. But uh, learns that it's not just a question of black and white when it comes to the the villains and the heroes that there are various degrees and 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 you're not always just going to be dealing with some megalomaniac who wants to take over the world or some alien invasion sometimes you're dealing with just a regular person who is a little bit uh not uh fully in touch with their own sanity so i guess this was kind of the issue that john byrne was trying to tell us here is why Batman and Superman are different. Here's why we need a Batman. Um, we know why we need a Superman. I've, I've told you that so far in the first two issues, but this is why we need a Batman. Superman can't, you know, his his job really, although he's there to protect everybody and he will take on the street level crime. As we saw in the previous issue, in issue number two, he stops a guy from stealing a lady's purse, but there's a reason why we have a Batman because he, he, his, his villains, he goes up against more kind of psychological, uh, type villains that, that, uh, may not be all there, but, uh, yeah, enjoyed the issue, had a lot of fun with it. I, I, I always have a lot of fun when the characters just talk and talk and talk while they're fighting, while they're doing stuff, just amazed at how, how anybody can do that can, you know, carry on a fight and talk at the same time and explain exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. And it's just, it's just crazy. And, and, you know, I mentioned earlier that they, they, they do that. At least my feeling has always been, they do that because they don't trust us as the reader to quite understand what's going on based on the images, which considering that the guy who wrote this is also the artist. I mean, you think he would, uh, he would have a little more faith in himself to be able to, 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 to draw the images that tell the story that doesn't need so much exposition from the characters to fully understand what's going on. But, you know, that's just the way the books were back then. And, and, and I'll tell you what, there are times when I read modern comics where there's not a lot of explanation on what's going on and you can't follow the story based on the art. So I think they're, they just need to be, you know, they need, they need to meet halfway there. In, in some cases, but that's it. That's the episode. I had a lot of fun with it. I hope you did too. The, the night before this episode came out, I'm speaking now as if I am recording this the day that the episode was released. Uh, I put out on Twitter that I'd be talking about this book and that, you know, if you wanted to follow along, your homework is to go read this issue. So I want to know, did you read it? Were you a fan of John Byrne's Superman? If not, which era of Superman is your Superman. For me, again, it's John Byrne. For some people, it's Mark Wade. For others, it's Jeff Johns. For for others, it's Silver Age Superman, you know, Grant or Grant Morrison uh, later on down the road. So yeah, let me know. Just another fanboy at gmail.com. Let me know who your Superman uh, was or is or your favorite era of Superman. And uh, I will read it 
read it. I will read it on the next Superman episode. Until then, folks, hey, you want to join the newsletter? Just another fanboy.substack.com. The link will be in the show notes. Sign up for the newsletter. It's free and you'll get an email every time I put out a new episode, meaning you will never miss an episode because you're going to get an email. And then anytime I put up anything that I think that uh, I need to share with folks, you'll get an email. So get on over there, just another fanboy.substack.com and join the Just Another Newsletter. Until then, folks, my name is Steven and I'm Just Another Fanboy. Be nice to each other, please. Welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that wears its underwear flippity bip. Diggity ding dong a ding dang diggy, diggity ding dang ding dang dong, dong 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 ding dang diggy, dong. Superman heads to Gotham City and finds himself at odds with the brutal and oftentimes unlawful methods, blah 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 blah. Find himself at odds with the brutal and oftentimes unlawful methods Batman uses to fight crime when the Dark Knight tricks Superman. Superman heads to Gotham City and finds himself at odds with the brutal and oftentimes unlawful... Superman heads to Gotham City and poops on somebody's head. Bye-bye, Daddy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job.